Simple Prayer, part two in the Simple Series today. This morning I've got a lot of thoughts that I just want to share with us in our time together about prayer. I know you might say, Pastor, you, you like that topic. I do. It's, it's probably my top favorite topic outside of just salvation and joy and hope is prayer. It's uh, the foundation for the life of a believer. So I thought in this simple series last week we would, we would cover it with the Great Commission. Go online, catch that up. Go and make... Oh, come on. Go and make disciples. That's who we are, Christ followers. And this week, in making disciples, we've got to be men and women, boys and girls of prayer. I was reading a thing about Jim Beckman. He wrote a book, God Help Me, How to Grow in Prayer. And he simply said this, the way that we spend our time tends to reveal what we place value on. <laughs> no one has ever died of hunger because of not having time to eat. There are things we do with our time every day, and if we track our activity, we'll see what is truly important to us. If prayer is something we place value on, we will make time for it. I've talked about that before, the importance of priorities in our life. And whatever we think is a high priority, and we put it on our list, and it's really high, we make time for that. In 2016, a lot of you have made goals that you are going to be transformed. And I pray it's spiritual transformation. Number one, go. That would be awesome for followers of Jesus. Maybe secondly, you're going, I want a transformation physically. And that would be pretty cool. And you're saying, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to do this and this and this. I'm going to get a degree this year. I'm going back to school. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get a new job. We're, we're, we're going to pray that this year would be a year that God expands our family. Or on and on and on. There's so many things that we could do. But I'm thinking about this morning, this whole thing about prayer. Write down the thought, prayerlessness is a sin. If we don't pray, church, it is a sin. It is an offense against a holy God. And I, I know you're going, but pastor, we're, we're in the church. I know. And that's who I'm addressing. I'm addressing those that claim faith in Christ. Those that are curious about the gospel. And I think the church is anemic. I think the church is prayerless as an entity across the country. Or there's pockets of prayer. But there's a lot of uh, absence of prayer. So I'm praying in this series that God will just begin to maybe touch our heart and talk just about simple prayer. In Luke, the 11th chapter, the first to the second verse, listen to what the writer says. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray. And as John, as John taught his disciples, and he said to them, when you pray, do this. Luke 11 and verses to follow. And the reason I put that in there is I want you to think about that God has created in you and me a desire, the ability to communicate with the creator of the universe, the redeemer of our souls, to have not monologue, but dialogue with him. You see, I think, if we're honest, a lot of us would go, I am a person that does Christian monologue. I tell God a lot of stuff. Sometimes I tell him a joke, but he doesn't ever laugh. And it's over. But God wants a dialogue. Actually, God wants to do more of the speaking than he does listening. <laughs> That's something for me. And I've talked about that so many times over the years, but it really is this dialogue, this relationship with Christ. 
in the time that the scriptures were written, there was a, a thing called polytheism. And it means the worship of many gods. And they had all these false little G gods that they worshipped and they paid honor to and they worshipped and they, they had replicas and, and statues of them in the temple, Dagon and no, 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 all, all these little false gods. And they would, they would worship these gods. And these gods had no redeeming, no changing power. But they would have these rote incantations that they would just go through these rituals and they would say them over and over and they would, they would heap up heavy repetitious phrases now let's get to 2016 if we're not careful we have phrases in our christian jargon in our in our makeup and our dna that we just begin to run through over in first kings chapter 18 i love it there's this whole contest there's this circus of events it's a whole thing about the prophets of baal and they encounter this man named Elijah, a man full of faith, a man that loved God. And I love the scripture says, the God who answers with fire is the real God. The other one is an imposter. It pits, this pits your God Baal versus my God Yahweh. May the true God win. And then Elijah prompted the prophets of Baal. He taunted them. He tainted them. He messed with them. He said, y'all go first. Because he knew. Their God was a lie. Their God had no power. And they begin to call on their gods, and they scream to their gods. And then he goes, and maybe you should speak louder. And if you do, maybe your God will hear you. Now, let me get in the margin for a minute. Have you ever noticed, I've been in a lot of prayer meetings all over the world, and even in this country, and I've noticed sometimes when we get fervent in prayer, if we're not careful, we raise our voice. And when we pray really hard and loud, we think God hears. Can I tell y'all something today? Our God is not deaf. And I've been in some prayer meetings, I'm like, did they think God needs a hearing aid? I mean, man, they were screaming in my ears, and they go, but pastor, this is the authority of God, and we speak loud, and they go in that God voice, and it just nauseates me. I'm just going to talk to my father as I talk to him. Now, I might have a little more emphasis and a little more authority on some words, but to raise her, but here, he's having them raise and go on and on, and then what's funny, that he goes over in about verse 27 of 1 Kings 18, he goes, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's musing or he is relieving himself on his journey. In other words, they're making fun of this guy. Because they knew God was going to come through. And if you read the rest of that story, you see that God wins the contest hands down, decisively. God wins. God wins every time. And the church said, we call on the God of heaven. We, God, we call on the God that hears our prayers. We, have, we call on the God that has the world in the palm of his hand. He has my next heartbeat. He knows. He knows. The Bible says that God has ordained the number of the days that we shall live. He loves us. And I'm wondering, God, what are we doing with that? That's, that's the issue here. Simple, trusting prayer where I just release my anxiety, my worries, my concerns at the feet of Jesus, where I release my praise and my worship and my adoration to God. 
And as I was thinking about it, the early church, I started to do a series on Acts, and maybe I'll come back and do that, but this morning we're going to have a lot of verses that will come up in Acts 2 and following. I, I love the book of Acts and, and the church beginning and the movement and the fire and the boldness of God, the authority of Christ. And just listen to this, that, you know, in this and starts in the upper room and it begins to move. And in Acts 2, 4, listen, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues just as the Spirit enabled them. All the people had, had gathered to come to the Jewish festival called Pentecost and God showed up in a miraculous way. And the Bible says, and there was a big wind and there was fire from heaven that came. And then they began to go. And these people begin to speak, and they go, these, these people must be drunk. And I love what Peter says. He goes, drunk they are not. It is only 9 o'clock in the morning. They haven't been intoxicated with wine or drink. They're filled with God. And they had the Lord, and they begin to reason. They begin to, to share him. And, there was, and then the, Peter, I love Peter. He's a spokesperson for God, and he, he speaks out there. And he speaks to the very ones that sentenced and crucified and killed Jesus. But Peter was that bold, audacious witness. Listen to Acts 2.37. Just listen to a part of this story. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? There was this bold proclamation of this one that had been killed and had come back to life in Acts 2.38. And then Peter just goes, Here's my reply. Each of you has something to do. You must repent of your sins, and as you repent, turn 180 degrees, turn it toward God, and then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what you need to do for the forgiveness of sins. And when you do that, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter just makes this bold proclamation right there in the book of Acts. You can read it for yourself now or this afternoon. And then jump down to verse 41. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. I would say that's a good first day. What would you say? I'd say they had a little band of believers. Peter preached with the authority of God, and God grew the first megachurch on the first day. 3,000. You know, a lot of times these big megachurches across the country, they, they're praying for this. God, we want to see 3,000 because, God, we're gathering 20,000 and 30,000 and 40,000 and 60,000. You go to other countries, they gather 100,000, even up maybe 200,000 people, and they say, we want to see 3,000. So I'm going to just tell you, I'm just, you know, I'm like, I, I got big faith, and when I tell you, you're going to laugh, but I'm just telling you right now, just in the season we're in, I'm just saying, God, I would be, happy i just want to see 30 lord could you just give us 30 would you lord we 30 just follow you in baptism lord would you just give us 30 souls for christ how many believe god can do that do you think god's gonna do it oh no no i don't think he can oh he could no 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 he's not gonna do it he, and he won't and i'm just wondering in this place that's that's a that is an unrealistic number but it is a realistic number and for 30 to be baptized and follow after christ god will have to do it but i want to see god do some big things because i want to pray simple but bold prayers and i want you to join me and i want to see the kingdom of god here and now i was listening to christine kane and if i get a little bit excited i tell you i think she's the best woman preacher on the planet have you ever heard her she's from australia here here, he is here, and we go now, but now, here, here, and I, I love it. I, I could listen to her all day, her passion for Jesus. She just leaks, man, with Christ. 
Don and I were watching this thing on her on Daystar that day, and I'm just telling you, this, it, just, it was just fueling me. I thought, man, that's it. The simple church, the simple Christ life, the simple prayer. God, call us to that. Give us simple focus. Acts 2.42, just move down. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing of meal, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. That's what they did. Acts 2.42. You say, what is the church to do? Acts 2. Acts 2.42 specifically, not neglect, gathering. And then you move down to chapter 4 in Acts. It's still in Acts. Go to verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven to mankind which we must be saved. There is no other name. It is not Joseph Smith. It is not Confucius. It is not Baha'u'llah. It is not Oprah. It is not whoever. It is Jesus. Amen? There is no other name under heaven which we must come to a holy God but Jesus. I love. Did you hear Hannah during that last song? We were worshiping, and I heard her sing it out clearly. Jesus. When we speak Jesus, did you know demons have to flee? Do y'all think demons try to interrupt our worship? Or you're not on the tech team then, are you? Yeah, they come. Hey, and do you think they ever come to my study, man? I think they're mounted at the door, and they say, you give me a crack, we're coming in. Yeah, I can get so distracted and study. I'm so focused on the Word of God, and I'm worshiping, and then my telephone rings. And let me just tell you, I just want to give you all a little heads up. Don't call me on Tuesday morning. Write that down. Don't call Pastor Keith on Tuesday morning. Sometimes I've had people call me, I got a hangnail. I'm going, bless your heart, call somebody else. No, I don't do that. I finally just learned, you know what, i got to get my phone away from me, and I don't need it on Tuesday morning because I'm trying to hear God clearer than I do almost any other time, and I'm seeking Him, and I want to hear from God. Do you want to hear from God that way? Oh, no, Pastor. I, you know, I think God's on social media. I do too, but I think He would like social media to go away sometimes. We talked the other night, just a little side margin. We talked about having a social media fast for maybe part of January, for a week, for a few days, for 48 hours, and somebody just wrote that down and said, Hallelujah, our marriage is going to get redeemed. And somebody just said, what are we going to talk about? Find out. I don't know. Just a thought. Here we go. Bold message here. The, 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 the message of Jesus. And then I like Acts 4.13. I love this verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They took note because these men had been with... No, let's don't say Jesus. And these men had been with... Jesus. Huh, I think he heard us. Yes, they've been with Jesus. They were stunned by the presence of the resurrected living Christ. My job is to proclaim life. Life is in the Savior. And without the Savior, you're spiritually dead. And my prayer is that I want to see more people this year go from death to life in Christ. And that's the goal of the gospel. Transformation. God, do that here. I just believe where Jesus had distinguished them. And I want you to look on down. We're in Acts. Go to chapter 4, verse 29. Look at this, the first corporate prayer. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give, us servant, give your servants great boldness in preaching your word. This might have been the first corporate prayer sentence or, or prayer to the Lord. Lord, give your people, give the people of God little boldness. No, he says great boldness. And I'm just wondering, Lord, could you do that to all that hear my voice today? Could you give us greater boldness because it's you, Jesus? And your authority is greater than anything in this place. In the face of physical threat, 
these early believers prayed for boldness. You know, nobody's threatened me physically. Nobody's threatened to take my life out if I proclaim Jesus. I would say probably nobody's threatened your life yet. Oh, we have some stories, Caliban and on and on, where people have said the name of Jesus and stood up for Christ and their life was taken. But for the most part, we say Christ and it's relatively free. Maybe it's an offense to someone. But there's no other name. We have to proclaim the name of Christ. And then I want you to just look right here. I'm going to get to this outline, believe it or not. Acts, A-C-T-S. I learned this as soon as I came to Christ, and sometimes I forget that people have never heard it. People need to be reminded. So let me just give it to you. A, the A is for adoration. I've been talking about adoration. I've been talking about worship. I'm talking about how great the, the, the uh, C here is for confession. Confession, write down adoration. Confession, let's go to the T. The T is for thanksgiving. Lord, I want to have a thankful heart. And let's go to the S. The S is for supplication. You're saying supplication. It's really not a word that we use today, but this acrostic does work. Acts, A-C-T-S. And as I think about it, the first element in our prayer time, I know when I wake up in the morning, it's the very first thing I do. Father, I honor you Father, I worship you. Father, I adore you. Lord Jesus, thank you for carrying me and keeping me through tonight. Father, you are worthy. Father, I honor you. Father, I bless you. Just adore him. And then, and then, and then I have to do it, and I, I try to do it before I go to bed, and then I do it you know, as I get up, and then I do it all through the day. I don't know about you, but confession. Do y'all have to confess throughout the day because y'all get in trouble just like me? Can I just, y'all encourage me. Some of you raise your hands if you have to confess sin throughout the day. Okay, the rest of you are living sinful lives, and you should confess. No, man. Like, you know, I mean, life. Life happens, and, and traffic, and people, and relationships, and, and challenges, and, and whatever. You confess, and so we adore, and we confess, and then we go into Thanksgiving. And I, this is one of, the, my, one of my really fun parts of prayer for me, is just being thankful to God. I love what my little granddaughter is teaching me about thankfulness, though. So. She's learning it really well from her mom and dad, but I watch her at two, and she will walk up and say, thank you, Mimi. Thank you for that. Pop, thank you for that. And she walked up to somebody the other day that had given her something, and it had been like a week or two ago, and she thanked them for that. It's that little grateful heart that the Father wants to cultivate in little ones and big ones. I don't know about you, but when I'm thankful, oh, I bless the heart of God. How many of you like to be thanked? Oh, no, I, I don't. I just want to be anonymous. I don't, you're lying. Get out of here. You want to be thanked. How many of you love kids demanding, I want my toy and I want you to get it now, daddy? I, I, see that belt? Mm. Not, not your kids. I'm sanctified. Okay. I only think it in my mind. Okay. Hey, how many of y'all have ever wanted to whip somebody else's kid? I know some of you just looked around and went, glory, we got some home training to do when we come back to church. That's an aggressive bunch of people out there at Christ Community. Oh, oh wait a minute, this is not a parenting series. Let me, let me keep on. All right. Adoration, confession, thanks. And then supplication. I, I love this supplication part where I just get into petition mode and I petition and I make request of my God. And I make request on your behalf and you make request on my behalf and you make request on behalf of others. It's powerful. But as I was studying this week, I thought about it. A lot of us don't do acts, we do scat. We don't do acts, we do scat. We start with supplication. We begin to pray about everything else. 
And we forget to adore our Creator and our Redeemer. We get to forget, forget to praise Him and to acknowledge Him and to bless Him. I'm, I fail this sometimes, but I'm working hard to make sure before I ask the Lord for anything, I want to praise His holy name. How about that church? Let's praise the name of Jesus. I've just come here to praise Him. It's a place of freedom the song talked about. Simple faith believes that lives can be transformed here. And then let's just begin to look down here and see what it says. Are you ready for this? In Luke, turn over to Luke chapter 18 with me real quick. Luke 18. Great passage here. Luke 18. And as you turn there, look down there at verses 35 through 43. And it's the blind beggar, and his name is Bartimaeus, and he receives his sight. And I want y'all to read this scripture from the screen with me. Can, can y'all do that with me? Let's read this verse. Matter of fact, I want you all to stand to your feet because you've been sitting there for about 15 minutes. And, and, and come on, come on. I want to I wake you up. I want to get blood pumping. I want you to be able to have a good lunch and you work for it when you leave here, okay? All right, now, I just want you to reach out to the person next to you and give them a, a shoulder rub real quick, okay? No, 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 not, not really. Here we go. All right, Let, let's read this. Ready? As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting. Stop. Now, let's raise our voice, okay? They're shouting. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Oh, excuse me. All right. The people in the front yelled at him. Come on. But he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped in order that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Stop there. That is a great question. What do you want me to do for you? Have you asked Jesus that lately? It's a great question here. Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God, and all who saw it praised God too. Now, I just want that to soak in you. Is that a pretty awesome passage? It wasn't like, well, you know, Jesus, I was thinking I had hemorrhoids, or Jesus, I, I got an earache, or Jesus, I got, he goes, oh, Jesus, I'm blind. You know what I learned in history? There were probably, I can't believe I said that, just help me. There were probably 10,000 beggars at the side of the road. 10,000, and only one was heard. I don't think he went, Jesus, have mercy on me. No, I think he was going for his miracle. You know what I'm saying? And I'm asking you to go for that miracle and for the touch of God. You can be seated. I'll get you to stand up the whole service. Y'all look really good. That's awesome. All right. So all these blind people, you know, in that day they, they had salve, and they thought if they put the salve on the eyes and and Matter of fact, I'm thinking about it. It was the first clinical trial here in Scripture. You didn't think it was funny. They, they, I, I think they got some salve and they burned some people's eyes out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hey, if you're blind, you go, what have I got to lose? And it wasn't working and people were doing this and they had, you know, healing powers or they said they did and people were trying to buy and trick. And finally this guy knew, here's the miracle. Here's the miracle worker, the real deal. He's Jesus. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, I want to see. 
You know what real prayer is? It's a heart right toward God. It's the manner of our heart where we turn toward him and we're just transparent and broken. And we go, Jesus, I need a touch. See, this morning, when this many people have gathered, there are a lot of people that need a touch today. You need Jesus to touch you right now in your chair. You need him to touch your finances because you don't know how you're going to make it next month or this afternoon. You need Jesus to touch your marriage because you're just on the edge. This week I counseled a man for an hour on the telephone about his marriage, and he told me all the reasons he's going to leave. You don't do that to Pastor Keith. I don't take it very well. I told him all the reasons he's going to stay. And then I told him with bold authority, it is God's will that you shall be married to this woman and you should love her. And he shut up. And he listened a little bit. Now, I don't know if he's going to do it, but that's the authority of the Word of God. Here, let's just fill these in. Number one, prayer works when honesty and urgency are combined. God loves a raw, honest heart. And when we're urgent in our prayer requests, we go for it. We give it everything we've got. We're desperate. I want to give you a verse, Psalm 142.1. How I plead with God. I plead for the Lord's mercy. And one says, I plead with God. How I implore his mercy, pouring out my troubles before him. Be honest with the Lord. He knows what that need right now, that burden that you came to church with today. Just ever consistently with perseverance, lay that out before the Lord. I love when it says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army there with Jehoshaphat. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord will be with you. Do you have that kind of confidence this morning? The Lord is a bold God. The Lord is a great God. The Lord is a bold, all-powerful, sovereign, ruling, conquering, healing, magnificent king. Can I brag about our king a little bit more? And we go to him. We don't go to the God, the gods of Baal that have no power and they're a bunch of chumps. Look at the next one. Prayer works with perseverance. It's not just because you're repetitious, and if I'm repetitious, I'm going to force God to do something. That's the wrong mindset. No, that's not what it is. But we, we, we go, we endure, we uh, don't shrink back from our prayers. I believe that God heals in three ways. Write it down. God heals naturally. God has created our bodies to heal. If I go out of here and I cut my hand, it is the power of my creator, and my hand will begin to heal up over a matter of days or a week, and the body heals. Are y'all grateful that God made our bodies to heal themselves? And the church said, now there's another way God heals. It's called medically, and the body doesn't heal itself completely, and you need intervention. You go to your doctor, and I'm all about doctors, and I love doctors, and I'm thankful, and we go to doctors all the time, and God uses them. Well, I'm sitting right here. I'm so proud of you. You almost doc. I always call you doc. He says, not yet, but you're going to be there. And, and, and as, you, as you work on it, you use those skills. So God uses natural healing. He uses medical healing, and I love the third one most, supernatural healing. Your pastor has experienced a supernatural miracle of God in year five of this church when God healed me from triple fusion neck surgery by all the surgeons, and God reached down, touched me miraculously, and I've never had surgery. Praise the name of Jesus. 
And every time somebody gets a neck ache, they go, Pastor Keith, Pastor Keith, Pastor Keith, pray for me, pray for me. Your prayers ain't working. Or is there sin in your life? I'm having surgery. I, I can't control the supernatural work of God, okay? But I can pray in faith, and you can pray in faith. Bartimaeus, he persevered. Let me get you right down Luke 18, 1 through 6. It's the widow who wouldn't quit. She refused to give up. She just kept taking her request. She wore out a pagan judge. How much more should we take our request and not jump back? Stunned by healing. I want you to see this video right now. I saw this video. This video is amazing, this miracle. Watch this. Okay, here's what just happened. This girl... Has, has never heard. She's just had this implant, this device, and she hears the voice of the people working with her. She hears her own voice for the first time. You're like, oh, I get it. Wow. Do you think you'd be stunned if you've never heard your husband's or your wife's voice and all of a sudden you heard it for the first time? Isn't that awesome? One of my best friends in all the world, his wife is legally blind. She's never seen his face completely. She longs for the day that she might see him. She knows him, but she doesn't. I mean, I, I, just, I just thought that was awesome. I, I, I just believe our God still does stuff like that today. How many of you believe that? He's a great God. He's a, he's a God that loves to do the impossible. So as we move through here, so we pray honestly, urgently, persevere. Prayer works when we pray specifically. What do you specifically not now lay me down to sleep if I should die before I wake. That is a horrible prayer anyway. I hate that prayer. I don't even know who came up with it. If I should die before I wake, you are terrorizing little kids. I remember they taught me that. I grew up in a pagan home that didn't know Jesus. And, and literally, Keith, let's say our prayers. And now lay me down to sleep if I should die before I wake. And my mom would walk out of the room. I'd go, I don't want to die. I mean, just think about that. That is not a Jesus faith-filled prayer, okay? I know I just messed some of you up. Maybe you're going to get a real prayer to pray at, at bedtime tonight, okay? Paying attention. Luke 18, 41. What do you want me to do for you? I love what he says there. Lord, this is what I want. I want to see. I want to see. We all have specific prayers that we need to pray that are in our hearts. They're in our minds. We, we've been praying them, and I ask you just to keep on and not, not give up. Move to the next one. Prayer doesn't work without faith. There's a whole section if you just turn to Mark chapter 6, 1 through 6. I can't cover it for sake of time, but Mark 6 in the gospel, and it's that whole thing of unbelief. And when Jesus found lots of unbelief, the scripture even says he was marveled by their unbelief. And Jesus had all the power to do anything he wanted to do, but he didn't do near as much. And he didn't do what he could have done. And yet, there's another scripture about the centurion. And the Bible calls him a man of ultimate authority. And Jesus one day says, I was marveled by his amount of faith. And I'm just asking us this morning, when we leave here, can we go out and make Jesus marvel? Can you write that thought down? When you leave here today, as you live this week, would you make Jesus marvel because of your great faith? And Jesus begins to work in great ways through simple prayers when we make him marvel, when we don't have unbelief in our heart. But some of us are just content with that, and, and we're not willing to say, Lord, I just need help. I need you, Lord. I need help. Let me move into this. I want you to just see. There's a, there's a section here by... Max Locato, man, I could preach for an hour, and, and don't worry, I won't. 
It's going to come up. Show me the. Here it is. Jay Osterman was a man here that God poured him into my life, and I poured into him. And after he left here, he was so touched by our ministry of prayer, he started a, a prayer meeting in Arkansas. He's gone back to Hawaii. I mean, don't you feel sorry for him? He, he retired in Hawaii. I, I envy that every day. Anyway, he's from Hawaii. And he sent me this thing the other day, and I started doing research, and I loved it. And Max Lucado, he's written more books than you know, anybody I know, it's called Pocket Prayers, 40 Simple Prayers. And you could just Google that, not now, but this afternoon. And it's just this whole idea of just simple little prayers. And what we need as we seek the Lord, as we, as we go after Him, as we focus on Him. And basically the, the whole premise is our problem, we present it. Prayer is answered and crisis avoided. Let me, let me see if this pocket prayer will come up. Here's, here's these little six stanzas. This, this is all it is. And I've just kind of incorporated it in my prayer time. I'm always praying, looking for new ways to have more intimacy with Christ. And I like this. Father, in just a minute, Jeff is going to come and sing my number one song. You're a good, good father. Father, you're good. And then, there he goes. So I talk to the Father, and I adore, and I praise him. You are good. And then, I need help. How many of you feel like you could, you could say, Lord, I need help, and you could add something to it? Anybody in the room could add anything to that? Do I need to come over and help you? You're like, no, I got it. And then they need help. If you can't get help, your friends need help. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you need help. Just turn to them and tell them. Say, you need help. All right, so you, so you pray for them. All right, come back. It's not counseling session. And then, and then you just thank the Lord. You thank him for what he's doing. And then you do it in Jesus' name, in the authority of Christ, in the power of the risen Christ. That, that's where you go with it. And God does want us to ask. I like what First Thessalonians says. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But it is God's will. I don't think, I'm not wondering, I know that I know that I know Jesus says, pray continually. And this morning, some of you have given up. You've lost faith. But today, you're going to leave here asking Jesus to let your faith marvel him and touch him and glorify him. So fill in the last blank. Focus on the simple and leave the big to God. Lord, I just want to pray a little simple prayers. Because you're awesome, magnificent God. And Lord, I leave it to you. I trust you. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask Jeff if, if he'll come right now. And I was just thinking about maybe a way to, to end this this morning. I want you to get your hands, and I want, to put, I want you to put them out in front of you. Would everybody do that with me? Would, would you cup your hands like hands of prayer, hands of receiving. Would you put those? Let me, let me see them. Come on, come on, church. Put them all out in front of you. All right, are you ready? What I want you to do in just a moment, I want you to put something in those hands. I want you to put a simple request before the feet of Jesus. Mentally, spiritually, I just want you to put it in the hands of the Father and say, Father, you are good. Father, I am trusting you immeasurably. Father, you are gracious. Father, you redeem fully. Father, you heal completely. Father, you are love. Father, I'm putting this. Right now, church, come on, with your hands out there. I want you to put something in there. You can close your eyes. You can look at your hands. Just in a, in a, in a matter, a manner of the heart, Lord Jesus... I lay these things before you now. Be the center of my life. 
I surrender to you this morning. I surrender this issue to you right now, Lord Jesus. I I really do. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower of you when I leave here today. Help me to follow you. I want you to listen to the Psalm, the 25th Psalm, verses 4 and 5. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. In Jesus' name.